Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 20-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y music.net, also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most of the places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Got an extra buck or two? You wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar? Please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also, consider helping get the word on the street via social media, five-star rating and review, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by Paul Westerberg. I'm beyond caring what anyone expects of me anymore. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 300. Please support this week's sponsors, ID Chrysler, Zumbroda, and the B-Dale Club. Also, thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Just finished rocking out at CHS Field for a St. Paul Saints game. Damn, that was fun. Last week's Geeks Wrap-Up. Friday played at Volstead House in Egan, Minnesota. I got a standing ovation at the end of the show, and that definitely doesn't happen every day. Saturday played at Eagle Lounge in Fox Creek, Wisconsin. Awesome to see my family at the show. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, July 14th, 2021, I'll be playing at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Thursday, July 15th, I'll be playing at Washington Square in White Bear Lake, Minnesota from 3.30 to 5 p.m. Friday, July 16th, I'll be playing at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota from 5 to 8 p.m. Saturday, July 17th, I'll be playing at Vanelli's by the Lake in Forest Lake, Minnesota from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Guest this week. It's part two of three with Minnesota singer-songwriter, novelist, and music critic Dylan Hicks. We talk First Avenue, The Replacements, his new album, Accidental Birds, and more. Enjoy the conversation. When you would see, go watch live music or when you're on that beat, what were some of your favorite venues or clubs to see live music in in the Twin Cities here? Hmm. Well, for whatever reason, yeah. for a cocktail, for your favorite bartender, for right. good sound on stage, or a place that wasn't too fucking loud, I mean, <laughs> yeah. whatever. I mean, I might sort of mix in the stuff I saw during that period when I was uh, working at City Pages with just in general with, in yeah, life. Yeah, but, of course. Um, I mean, I. Uh, I mean, First Avenue, of course, has a you know it's a sentimental place for me too. Um, some of my favorite times have been First Avenue main room shows that weren't terribly well attended, which I think those are not as common anymore. And of course, especially now after the year they've been through, I want all their shows to be very well attended. But I was working at record stores in my twenties, and I would get a lot of, you know, I'd go to First Avenue a lot, and they'd always hand out the, the comps. I don't know if you were there at that time, but you, when you left the club. Yeah, they'd say thank you and they'd hand you a few comps. You I know? used to do that too as a 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you'd get a lot of them, you know, if you went there a lot. And um, and then I also would get comps sometimes through the record store. So I'd see a lot of shows there. And I worked at Musicland downtown. You know, I wouldn't work at a hip store. I worked at the chain store in Hennepin. <laughs> but you know, the, the the chain store paid about. Six dollars an hour more than the hip store, so I was like, "Well, I'll be square for six dollars an hour more." Oh my god! <laughs> so um, I'm interested with the, with the First Avenue like kind of debtor shows. What's some of those that well, stand out? Well, so for instance, I love Marshall Crenshaw. Are you familiar with his stuff? Yes. Okay, great. So you know, I've loved him since I was a kid because he had a hit called "Someday, Someway" in '82, right? was on the radio. I remember hearing it for the first time on the way to basketball practice in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And I love this song. And I did not like basketball practice. I I was not good at basketball. In fact, I tried out for the team or I made the team it was there was everybody made the team, but early drill, they did the thing where you're in line and you pass the ball to one another. The basketball hit me right in the face, you know. <laughs> that was hard enough. But then the coach said, "Hey, he be easy with him. He's not very good." <laughs> It's like, I mean, it was true, but I didn't necessarily need him to articulate that, you know? Yeah, he's not very good. The reason is he's not very good. That's why he didn't catch the ball and instead it hit his face, you know? So I would not play until the fourth inning. I would play with the fourth inning, fourth quarter, when we're already up by 20 or down by 30 or what. It didn't matter, right? But I was so nervous about going in. I would, I mean, I don't know if this is allowed on your show. You can edit, but I would urinate a little bit in my you know in my underwear you know i was so nervous and at the on the sidelines you know um i just it was it was absolute terror about because i would get on the court and i didn't want the ball and the moment the ball was given to me i wanted to get rid of it as quickly as possible you know it was absolute murder anyway I told you, I warned you that I, I can talk, but... You can say anything you want in this show. We're guerrilla media here, Okay, man, good. Uh, yeah, works. this is great. Um, so anyway, Crenshaw's tune. Uh, and also my dad. My dad, he, he was born in 42, but he kind of, um, in the late 70s, early 80s, he kind of, he still subscribed to Rolling Stone, and he picked up some pretty hip records, you know, and one of them was Marshall Crenshaw. One of them was uh, The Roaches, uh, uh, a couple of records by the Roaches. They're a big influence on me. Richard Thompson, he turned me on to. He had also turned me on to a lot of the jazz stuff like Sonny Rollins and Miles Davis and a lot of the stuff he liked when he was in college. So anyway, I liked Crenshaw a lot. And of course, he's a great craftsman of you know pop songs and a great guitar player. And he played First Avenue. I think he was sort of, he reached the point where he was no longer a big enough act to play the main room. So maybe there were 300 people there, four, I don't know. So you could move around really freely, you know. And um, I mean, I wanted the show to be a more successful show for him. But just as an audience member, being able to just walk to the bathroom and back without, you know, getting your, you know, spilling a beer on yourself because you're trying to squeeze through a couple or whatever. And you know, there was something about those smaller shows. You felt like a little tighter community 
which I guess I kind of liked. It felt more intimate with the artist. I saw Roger McGuinn there when he was coming back, and same thing. It was quite a small turnout. Um, I think I got his autograph after the show, and um, you know, so those are just two that come to mind, you know. But uh, I always liked that, and I liked. Um, I got the chance to play the main room a couple times, not as a headlining act, but as an opener. And what I was open for. Well, I opened for the Violent Femmes. And I opened for um, NRBQ. That might have been at the Fine Line. I, did, I played a lot of shows when I was younger that were sort of group shows, you know, like where it's an event, you know, or a, a benefit or a you know tribute to a particular act, you know. I probably got to be on that stage, you know, six or seven times, and it was always really fun because it was such a. Oh, and Jonathan Richmond, I opened up for him for a couple of times. Get some 4x4 fun this summer with a 2021 Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk. Find your new SUV at ID Chrysler Zombrota. I still love my black Jeep Cherokee I got from ID Chrysler. With 250,000 miles, my old car was just too much for the poor thing to take. I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler, and the staff can be more help with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at ZombrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombrota, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out Ivy Chrysler Zombrota today and enjoy a safe summer season full of adventures and memories out in the open road. Um, wow, violent. I'm originally from Wisconsin. Oh, okay, so that's, yeah. That's a Wisconsin, you know, historic Paul Bunyan band. Sure, violent yeah, fans, yeah, yeah. Uh, what an amazing experience that a lot of us have never been able to uh, go on that stage. That's amazing. It is fun. And, you know, it's fun to have that much stage to work with. I'm used to, you know, most of the time I'm playing, it's a very small stage, and you're kind of like, oh, I can't really cram in here. And, like, you know, or the, you're, you're opening, so the other band leaves all their gear up, you know, and you're trying to work around that. And, you know, you're, you don't get a really a, you get a line check but no sound check or all the different sort of, you know, so to be in a big room and, you know, Conrad was working the, the stage usually. He's a really nice guy and, um, you know, yeah, really, really fun. Um, I know there was one time where we played, we opened for Jonathan Richmond. And, um, and Jonathan Richmond, you know, is also, a, you know, he's a hero of mine too. And, and I think we would open for him sometimes because, because I'm a nerd, I guess, you know. <laughs> And I I work under my own name, you know, um, and uh, but uh, at that time, and I think still, he really wanted the groups. The, he wanted things to be quiet, you know. It makes sense because you know, I have tinnitus and I want things to be quiet too, you know. But he really wanted things to be quiet, and he would play with. He was playing on that tour, I think, with an organist and himself, and once maybe once it was with the drummer. I don't remember, but um, so. You know, our stage volume was, we tried to keep that quiet, but we were, they were only wooden, not, they were not feeding much of us out into the house. You know, a lot of it was just vocals in our stage volume. So we got up there, played our show, and I mean, I don't know what it would sound like to me now if I heard it, but at the time I thought, we killed that show. We were, we just like, that was a great, that was one of our best shows, you know? I got up stage, I'm just feeling high, and that's not always true. I mean, I, it's more common for me to leave the show thinking like, well, 
it's over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but I, I did feel confident after that one. And I talked to some friends, like, yeah, you know, and I said, how do you, how do I'm kind of like standing next to and like kind of waiting, like smiling, like now it's your turn to say how much you like the show. I'm not going to ask you to, but I'm standing here. And uh, it came out that no one could hear us. Like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, yeah, you, you look good. I didn't really, I couldn't really make it out, but I, I could tell you were up there, you know, and like, you know, now they may have been talking. They, you know, they probably could have taken some measures, like gone right to the front. But, um, but in my mind, that was a, that was a live peak for us. So I've always been fascinated with the classic Minnesota twin, the music scene. When I first started this podcast, I wanted to hunt down some of my heroes and stuff. Yeah. Um, that were kind of in that folklorish kind of like before fine line and before for maybe during first avenue but that whole longhorn sure era. yeah yeah and so uh, i had the suburbs i got a uh, framed photo of, or a record of them okay and robert wilkinson the flaming sure, yeah, yeah. And you're talking guy. about prince and so i like that the time you know like jellybean johnson flight yeah. time whatever the before that uh were you around in that scene what or, or what's your thoughts on that whole scene right well not really so we came here in 1983 i was 12 at the time i was born in 1970 um so those musicians are usually about 10 years older than i am give or take you know i don't want to some might bristle because I'm only eight years older than you are. Some might be 12 years older. I don't know. But a lot of them born in the late 50s and early 60s. Um, so really, when I came here, um, it didn't mean much. It, did, it was important to me that they were from Minneapolis. Um, but I didn't experience their music much differently than I did the music of the other groups I, I idolized. Now, I did, you know, there were a lot of publications around the Twin Cities at the time, not just City Page and the Reader, but there was one called Night Beat. Um, there were quite a few. And so I would, my walls were covered with, um, not posters, but with clippings that I had cut out, you know, just the photographs, either from streamer pho photographers or staff photographers or, or publicity shots. So I'd have one of who's Gurdu and I'd have one of the replacements. I went as Paul Westerberg, it's for my costume in 1984 Halloween. You know, that wasn't a lot of work. I just put a flannel shirt on. You know. <laughs> My hair was not nearly long enough. I didn't have the the Ron Wood, Rod Stewart hair that those guys managed to do so beautifully at the time. But and I, you know, I don't think I really pulled it off. But um, my friend and I did that. I absolutely loved the replacements. When I heard, um, I heard uh, probably the. I my stepdad was getting his master's degree in journalism. At the university, that's why we came here. He has been a life he'd been a lifelong reporter. And so he would bring home the Minnesota Daily for me. And uh, a fellow named Dave Ayers, who later became an A and R guy for different record labels and uh, was writing as a student, I guess he was writing criticism. Might have been Jim Walsh, who was already there yet, but that might have been a few years later. Anyway, they had a lot of pretty they had a lot of good writers who were writing as young people then. So I like to read their music section and and I remember that he brought home a, a best of the year issue, and I think that exposed me to, well, a, a record I love called Love Wars by Womack and Womack, a great R&B record that I'm always proselytizing about. But also I think um, I think maybe the replacement's Hootenanny. Was this an 83, best of 83 was in there. So I think um, that was the first record I bought by them, and I, I liked that. And then, you know, Six months later, five months later, the I Will Dare 12-inch came out, and I went over to um, the neighborhood record store for us at the time was um, No Name. Yeah. 
So I bought that there and, you know, I hadn't really had that experience of, of buying a single by an independent act and putting it on and having it give me the same experience that I got when I put on, you know, Dancing in the Dark. I loved Bruce Springsteen too and I loved Prince and I loved a lot of the pop music, you know, um, and just feeling like I wanted to hear it again. I just wanted to put it right back on. Um, and so... I just loved that band. I thought Westerberg was so, such a great rock and roll singer, so in tune, but so, um, but but had all that all that um, gravel and the and the sort of attitude that a, that a great rock singer has, and sort of the willingness to take chances, and also be so musical, and and the phrasing is so smart, and just the writing, the the wordplay, and then the band, you know, just such a such a great band. So. I also loved Husker Du, but The Replacements was probably the one that that spoke to me most, um, you know, right down to the heart. Um, so I did get to see them a bit, but it was a little bit later in their career. I was too young to, like, know about them, uh, you know, when they were on the scene, in the club scene, likewise with Husker Du. Um, but I was proud to be from this city that, that, you know, gave rise to those groups, you know. I also listened to some similar groups like the Minutemen out of California and, you know, groups like that. And, of course, with Prince. And I think just, you know, and also with groups like The Replacements, you know, it, um, it made me think maybe that, oh, you can kind of do this, you know. You can sort of do it for Minneapolis. Have you ever had any interaction with Westerberg? Um, no, I never have. I mean, I've been in the same room with him. Um, but... Um, I mean, I've been in the same I've been in the same circle with him in a nightclub, um, but he's uh, he's a pretty private guy, you know, and uh, um, so he's not really a like a glad handler type. And I, the person I was with didn't didn't kind of respected that. Didn't you know? I I was hoping to be introduced, but I also understood that that's uh, he gets kind of exhausted by that. Otherwise, I see him once in a while on the bike trail. He. Um, I'm on. I ride my bike a lot, and um, he um, he'll sometimes ride his bike. And the the great thing is, I hope this is not like I don't want to invade his privacy because yeah, I know that's not, important. It's to not me. say the lake or whatever. Oh no no no! But I'll just be on a bike trail, and this is just a couple times I've seen him, and it's great because it's so Westerberg because he's on his bike, but he's smoking a cigar. <laughs> um, I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B-Dale Club, located on the corner of Crown Road B, and Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun, and that is a fact. Rob, Emily, Natalie, Shelley, and the entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail artists. As of late, my libation of choice is the classic Greyhound cocktail, and they are to quote 16-time world champion Ric Flair, Tasty Little Devils. Save the date. B-Dale Club Barbecue Contest, August 7th. Live music, pool table, pool tabs, bingo, bocce ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. Yeah, so uh, that's probably only been a, just a couple of times. I mean, there's, um, and, but yeah, I will um, always, um, I really think he's one of the great, great rock songwriters, whoever, whoever did it. And, um, you know, uh, I know they're, I, I like a lot of his music from beyond the replacements and I just hope and I think I know that at some point 
you know, it feels like it's been a few years since there's been a record that really spoke to me at least, you know, from he hasn't done a lot of stuff lately. And but I think there'll be a a great a great collection of songs from him again, you know, in the same way that you think about some of those great records that Tom Waits or Bob Dylan made when they were in their 60s and 70s and you know now Bob Dylan's 80 you know so yes if you could take suggest a replacement song just off the top of your head let's say my grandmother's listening and mm-hmm. says who are the replacements what song would you put out just for just as a way to introduce them this is them? who they are this like sums them up in a, a yeah. 3 minutes shot well you know um it's a great question um you know, I think um, for me yeah. as a singer, I'd say unsatisfied. Okay, yeah. As a just a rock thing, song I cover, Alex Chilton. Okay, yeah, those are both great. Unsatisfied is so intense, you know. Jesus. Yeah. He just um, blown up at the end of it. He just and when they breath. when they close they closed with that when they did their reunion show, which I thought was was a bold thing to do, you know. You know, um, I think that Can't Hardly Wait is such a... I think it does a lot of things. Lyrics are clever. He's singing beautifully in the upper part of his range. The the melodic figure, you know, doubled by the horn is very memorable. There's that great stop, you know, and ooh, I can't wait, you know, like all this stuff. Uh, that's a it's a great pop song that I think a lot of people could hear, and so I might I might that always that always lifts my spirits, you know. Um, but there are so many, you know. I was playing a bar in small town Clayton, Wisconsin, okay. just this summer, and I always have like a Minnesota music mix yeah. of songs and whatever. And I was playing it just in between sets or whatever, and and dyslexic heart comes on. Okay, sure. The singles, you know, older right. Westerberg, yeah. and it's the bartender who goes, "This is my favorite song ever." Yeah. So even in small town Clayton, Wisconsin, and Westerberg gets out there. You know? I've got two stories that are kind of like that for you, if you'll enjoy them. Yes, of course. Okay, so, well, one is, um, I actually wrote about this once, but it doesn't matter. It's been a long time ago. But I was doing a little piece on, on Westerberg for City Pages, and um, and I was remembering how a time when I was um, working at Musicland, a different location, but it was the one that was in the, it was the Sam Goody in the, um, in the mall downtown. What do we call that mall? Um, mall of America? No, no. In the mall in downtown Minneapolis. It's been oh, there. City uh, Center. Yeah. City Center. Um, and uh, we were on the second floor in the space that became Brooks Brothers later. And um, I was in the back room doing inventory and um, playing his album eventually. So this is 1996 or 7 or whenever that album came out. Um, not sure. And... Um, and his song, Mama Daddy Did, was came on. I don't know if you remember that tune. I don't, know. So it's kind of a soft uh, strummer, kind of a toe-tapping tune. Um, you know, and the, the, then the kind of the refrain is, you know, 
Never gonna have no mixed up kid Just like my mama, mama, daddy did And it's just kind of a It's um, it's a pretty song And uh, kind of a hard song But with a, with a um, um, With this sprightly sort of musical feel Okay I really liked it And um, And there was a woman who worked with me One of my co-workers And she was sitting there on her break And when the song was about a minute in, she said, um, who is this? You know, and I said, Paul Westerberg. And, and then she kept listening, and I kind of looked back at her, and she had a, kind of her head down, you know. She was obviously really moved by the song. And then it was over, and uh, she said, that's the best, best song he's written since longer. And I realized that she thought I had said Dan Fogelberg. And... <laughs> Um, which is an honest mistake. I mean, you know, the names are very similar. And this was a, this was kind of a folky little tune, you know, certainly plausible that, you know, wasn't that far, wasn't so far afield. It wasn't like this was like Run It or something like that that Dan Fogelberg certainly would not have written or performed. Um, and uh, and I, but what I loved about it was that, like, A, you know, a song is a song. You know, people just want to hear a good song or good music, whatever it is. Um, and uh, you know, so I just I, I kind of liked I, I liked just somehow about something about that made me it made the song even greater to me because it was like it wasn't about him or it was just about the taking in the song, you know. And then the other thing was how um, and it felt to me like she was responding to it on a personal level, like that it, it resonated with her in ways that you know that she could um, draw back to her own life. Um, the other thing was, you know, sometimes on Spotify, you know, I'll look up artists on Spotify and what are their most listened to songs. And and sometimes, like if you look up, you know, um, Buck, Buckner and Garcia, their number one song is going to be Pac-Man Fever. Let's face it. <laughs> you know, you, you could bet on that and you'll be right. Um, but uh, sometimes, you know, the, the, the most successful song is no longer the most listened to because new generations... You know, the story I've told a couple times now is my son, who's 20, he likes pavement, okay, um, as do I. But I'm kind of, I am pavement, right? I'm 50, and like I saw them when they were in the Uptown in 1991, you know, and um, and he's like, uh, their most popular song is is uh, called um, Harnessed by Hopes. I think it's Harnessed to Hopes or Harnessed by Hopes. I was like, no, it's not. Yeah, it is, Dad, by like 10 times. It's like, I've never even heard of that song, and I am pavement, you know? <laughs> and then he pointed out to me on Spotify, and I guess that it just, it really grew on Spotify, and that's a whole different discussion about algorithms. But it also has to do with how people, you know, younger people, have, they don't care what was a hit then or what was popular then. They just want to respond to things. So one song, to blather on more, his song Things, which is on his first solo record, is a is a pretty kind of breakup song. That song's really high on the Spotify listeners, and I think that it's a lot because it's one of those songs that like it really it's a moving song, a really good breakup song that you know it took a long time for people to hear it, but when they hear it, they're like, oh, that's a great example of its kind, you know. So I think that a lot of those um, it's kind of nice to see that a lot of those solo songs, even though the replacement songs will always be the ones that kind of you know, changed history in their small little way that a lot of those solo songs will also kind of, you know, find their people. Like to to and so 
for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. Again, please support this week's sponsors, 45th Parallel Distillery, ID Chrysler, Zumbrota, and the B-Dale Club. This is also a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on this show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time.